0: Hello and welcome to an installment of the White Football Podcast with me, Etchie and Michael Dryden. Uh, in recent times, uh, we've lost the great Gerd Miller, so we'll be taking a look back at his career, his playing style, his time at Bayern, his record for West Germany. And we'll discuss whether goal poachers get enough credit. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and YouTube. Hello, Dryden. How you doing?
1: Hello, is, Yeah, I'm not bad. Just just to begin with, FYI, for all or any of the Gerd Muller experts that are listening to this podcast, I'm not going to be saying or we're not going to be saying that he was just a go-poacher. <laughs> mm. But uh, I put that in the intro because I thought it was an interesting discussion at the end to discuss, you know, you get people going, oh, yeah, well, you know, Miroslav Close was a good place, got so a good record, but he just scored tap-ins, etc. and all that. And it's like, well, you know, is that all that he had in his game? Is it that easy? But we'll get to that. That's just FYI before I get sent for in my DMs before someone's even stopped listening. Um, but yeah, on the whole, not bad. Just watch the Arsenal game. I believe you'll have a lot to say about that, Itches. Uh, but to be fair, on the whole, I did think Arsenal got a lot better and grew into the game. I know Chelsea were already tuning up at that point, but I didn't think it was too bad. It's just a couple of individual individual mistakes, like Mari on Lukaku a couple of times getting too close and then Tierney for the second one I don't know why he's trying to press mount leave that space then realises runs back and then by that time James is basically in and gets the goal so what were your thoughts tonight on it so I'd just like to say thank you everyone for listening to Wolf football this week uh, it's me etches
0: and Dryden uh, we'll catch you next time thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, how was the game uh, yeah we went very good I think, in short, what it highlighted were Arsenal were missing quite a lot of key players. Uh, the goals, especially the first one, were from key people in positions. We need better right-backs. Cedric is playing on, I think it's Reese James, by about two yards. Had he been onside or had he been in line with the defence, I think James would have been offside by half a leg. So that was unfortunate, but he's not good yeah. enough. Mari gets a lot of stick, but he is third-choice CB, as holding his fourth-choice CB. With, obviously, Gabriel mm. and Ben White, the preferred partnership, Gabriel is still recovering from injuries back soon. So, I do sympathize when you're, you're playing against the likes of Lukaku. Yeah. Um, however, it's still a bit blunt going forwards. I think Arsenal played the first two-thirds of the pitch well at times. The defensive third and the middle third. But that final third, man, like it's, it's just too toothless. They're not getting enough shots on target. It's too speculative. Mm. There is good possession. They're getting into good positions, but it's just not really... Working out, Uh, there were some positives. I thought Pepe played all right, you know, Saka as well, but it's still a bit toothless. Um, and it it doesn't get any easier with uh City up next. Also, as well, to all of our listeners, make sure it's YFootball underscore because since we started the podcast in my Twitter bio, I've had just at YFootball, and uh, that is just some random guy uh, who hasn't had he hasn't (laughs) he hasn't tweeted anything. Um so I've been I've been sending traffic to his page, so I hope he's thankful for that. So the original White Football, if you're listening,
1: um, don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that.
1: <laughs> so let's let's move into uh today's episode, which is on the late Gerd Muller. So we always start our episodes off with why this episode. Um pretty obvious for this one, Gerd Muller many will be aware, passed away last Sunday. Um, at the age of 75 unfortunately he battled severe uh, Alzheimer's dementia Um, for a number of years after his career he spent the last five years in a care home basically becoming bedbound and eventually passing which is really sad his wife Ushi said he'd been a fighter uh, his whole life but you know he he didn't just fight. He actually, he actually excelled. And you know, look, if you, I mean, I didn't know a lot about Gerd Muller before doing this. To looking at this episode, I have to admit, I knew Gerd Muller was because he's just, you know, he's a legend of the game, um, a legend of World Cups and European Championships and the Bundesliga. Um, but I didn't realise how prolific he was. I mean, according to Wiki, in all competitions for all clubs, not just Bayern, he scored six hundred and fifty-four goals in seven hundred and sixteen appearances, which is mad. <laughs> <That> is <laughs> which mad. is pretty pretty mad. Um so it's just it's just bonkers. He's got the record of 365 Bundesliga goals for, for Bayern in 427 matches. So he's the all all-time Bundesliga goal scorer, as you will not be surprised. Um, to see. So, yeah, do why are we doing this episode? You know, while most people of our generation you know like myself like you which is, have certainly heard of Gerd Muller I'm not sure many would know much more about him you know he played in the 60s and the 70s he retired I think it was 81 hmm. um I do have that stat later on but it's in my notes later but um yeah so yeah well before our time um but today's the day that our generation will will find out a bit more about the late great Gerd Muller so we'll start off by looking at who was uh Gerd Muller so Goethe was born 3rd November 1945 in Nordlingen uh, in Bavaria, Germany, um, which is like between Stuttgart and Munich for some context there. He's one of uh, five children and after leaving school at 14, <laughs> pretty young, um, he became an apprentice weaver, um, but in 1962, age 17, began playing or eventually started playing for the first team of his hometown amateur club, TSV Nordlingen, scoring 51 goals for them in the 63-64 season. Um, this gained him some notoriety and nearby Bayern Munich, heard of his exploits, signed him up in 1964. This is actually when Bayern Munich win the second tier um German football and hadn't really reached... Well, they hadn't at all reached the heights of what we know about them today and what they eventually became in the 70s and the 80s. Um, And 33 goals in his first season at Bayern uh, helped them restore their top-flight Bundesliga status. Um, And within four years, Bayern were were German champions once again, a a title they won four times in five years um, during um, Muller's stay at the club, um, and prior to that, Bayern only won, had only won one league title, which is in 1932, which is, you know, it's a long time ago. But to think that it took them until the 60s to then win another title, you know, a lot of people will be surprised by that, you know, <laughs> given how dominant Bayern are in Germany. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. You, you've taken the words out of my mouth. It's just mad how dominant they are now to consider that they were such a more well, relative minnow compared to the other teams that were around back then. Uh, the actual champions in 64 were FC Köln, who who you know very well, but these oh, yes. days uh, are miles apart from Bayern. And, you know, the way Bayern are now, if we do a podcast in 10 years, if this podcast still exists, we'll probably be talking about, will Bayern win their 40th league in a row? Because mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> that's the way it's shaping up at the moment.
1: Yeah, God, yeah. 65-year-old Etje is still banging about Arsenal and talking about how Bayern is still... German champions can't wait for it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the FC FC Cologne, Um, you know, when the Bundesliga came back after COVID yeah. and loads of clubs in England were like choosing a partner team to, for their fans to go out and watch. Sunderland partnered with FC coln and they're like, yeah, go and watch FC coln's games. No. <laughs> 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 I also went to an FC Call game in, in Kelowna, banged on him out before. It was good fun, so I do recommend going. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not just going to go because you tell me to. I'm to go watch it. Uh, he, was a, he acquired the nickname, or Muller, acquired the nickname Bomber de Nation, or Nation, uh, meaning the Nation's Bomber. He had a very catchy song named after him. I just, would you like to hear this song? Um, <laughs> Even if I say oh, no, you're going to play it. Yes, <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm going to play you the actual video of my phone, I just, but I'll, I'm going to dub this in afterwards. So <laughs> oh, nice. this just can get a better hearing, but it's called, wait. it's called then go boom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> this
1: is his song. This is, uh, yeah, it's called Dan Match S Boom. Then go then boom. Go boom. The, nice. the chorus goes, Then there's a boom, then there's a roar, and everyone shouts, Yes, Muller scored. <laughs> oh, Mads. <laughs> that's time I'll never get back in my life. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first article I read on, on Muller, it had that at the top. I was like, Well, surely this is a big song, Jeremy. It had this that particular video had seven hundred fifty thousand plays, so I assume it's well known. If not, then I'm sorry for wasting everyone's time. Uh, so, <laughs> so to, to move on to onto more about Good Muller, so his playing style, going back to um, you know I mentioned about goal portion at the start of the episode. So there's interesting quote here from Peter Mason, who is part of the Guardian, who uh, written a obituary about Muller very recently since his his death so I thought I'd read that out so his interpretation of Muller was he was short and had a thick set but supremely well balanced Muller had a devastating burst of pace over short distances and was exceedingly agile inside the six-yard box He scored a large proportion of his goals through opportunism and quick thinking despite being only five foot nine he was also an excellent header of the ball I didn't is five foot nine that short I'm five eleven. I didn't think I was ever that short, but here we go. We'll take that. Uh, but yeah. So what I said earlier about you know he's more than just a goal poacher. He is. If you watch his clips on YouTube, I know it's quite subjective because if you watch anyone's best, go- if you watch like Raúl's top five goals, mm. he look he looks like you know he looks like Cristiano Ronaldo level mm. <laughs> type of goals he scores. Mm. But um, we all know that Raúl was very much a bit like as described to the extent with Müller and players like Claussa. Uh, a bit of a, a bit of a poor chair. Um, but on the whole, when you look at his, his goals, even his best goals, a lot of goals inside the box, there seems to be a very, very good, or was a very good header of the ball. A couple of those goals I saw outside the box, very, very powerful low strikes. I think it was just a superb and lethal finisher is what I got from looking at videos, even from that analysis from Peter. It, he just looked like he's absolutely ruthless and you do, well, I mean, you don't score over 600 career goals by being pretty average at finishing. Uh, mm, very true. <laughs> Like the like a young Josie Altador. Aside from that, he looked ex- he looked exactly like your classic seventies footballer. You know, long sleeves, long hair, and he often sported this pretty questionable and very heavy Mark Lawrence esque mustache, which I could see you sporting, to be fair. Ches. Um <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that one. I mean, the only real
0: takeaway from that, aside from the really interesting facts about Gerard Miller, is I guess five foot nine is really good. In the air, is quite rare. I mean, it's not specifically short. Obviously, the famous Canavara was a brilliant header of the ball. And was under six foot, but yeah, it is quite rare, I would say. And and the other takeaway is that I think personally in my own life, um, the quality <laughs> the quality of life that I've I've lived so far oh. significantly increased when Mark Lawrence retired from Match of the Day. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, because his analysis absolutely bombed it. Him and who was the other guy? There's one. Alan Hansen.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't mind Hansen uh, that much. I
1: thought he actually tried. The thing with Lawrence is right apart from his fairly questionable analysis of football matches, he just thought he's one of them guys who's really like very, very dry and thought he was really funny. You know, you meet someone who like is just so dry, yeah. but th- but does it because they think it's funny. He just wasn't that funny. You, you get people who are actually quite dry and quite funny, you know, comics like Jack D for example, but he just wasn't funny. Mate, if if Mark Lawrence was an item in your kitchen, it'd be garlic
0: because his chat absolutely <laughs> reeked. <laughs> absolutely reeked me absolutely
1: reeked that's all i'd say about him <laughs> all right good <laughs> so moving on so his success Gert Muller's success at bayern munich we'll look at next so as i mentioned he joined bayern in 1964 from tsv nordlingen Um he joined along with uh, two other bayern greats franz beckenbauer and Meyer. um and this really started a golden era a golden era um for the club and you know we touched on before is arguably set the foundations for the for the modern their success in modern times um because before the arrival of those players they weren't a force in the country um in the 60s and 70s muller won the bundesliga four times including three in a row between 1971 and 1974 he won four dfb Pokals, their version of the fa cup um, and th- uh, three european cups including th- well three in a row between 1973 and 1976. I don't know why I put three European Cups and three in a row between them. <laughs> But yeah, uh, so it has to be obviously three. Um, yeah, three in a row, which is pretty mad. And <laughs> mm, <that's laughs> know Real have, um, have had that feed before, but it, it's bonkers. And also a, a European Cup Winners' Cup uh, to Gerd Buller's name. He scored against Atletico Madrid in the 74 European Cup final replay and in the 75 final against uh, Leeds United in Paris. Um, he had held the record for the most Bundesliga goals in a single season with 40, which is mad, until it was beaten by Robert Lewandowski, I think it was last season, um, who got 41, which is bonkers, really. Mm. He remains the Bundesliga all-time goal scorer with 365 goals. That is a lot of goals. Um, Lewandowski has got, it's just shy of about 100 behind uh, Muller. And If you think Alan Shearer's Premier record is two hundred and sixty goals, which has stood fairly, fairly unattested for a while, really, I mean, you know, people talk about Kane could potentially break that because he came, through, but you know, his goal record and he's still got a lot of years left. We, we think of two hundred and sixty as being a lot for, for Alan Shearer to have had, uh, but three hundred and sixty-five. Yeah, yeah. Personally, um, personally,
0: I don't think two hundred and sixty is that much. I think it is a lot, but I think. In Shearer's case, the best ballers that are strikers have always left England. Shearer obviously spent his whole career. I look at Henri. I look at if Aguero came here from 1920. I look at potentially Kane as well. Obviously, Ronaldo, what he went on to do. Suarez yeah. potentially as well. Maybe not Suarez. He also came a bit later in his career, but I think there are potentials. It's just it's quite unique <laughs> for England actually to have a Brit has managed to bag that many goals in that period of time. I think that's probably the most difficult one. But a um, fun fact for you, the only non-Bayern memorabilia in the museum is actually from Lionel Messi. In yeah, which museum? In Bayern in, Munich's museum.
1: Oh, right. Okay.
0: Because Lionel Messi broke Gerd Müller's record for 85 goals in the calendar year. And when yeah. he did that, he signed a shirt for Gerd and it's
1: in the Bayern museum. Oh, nice. I actually didn't have that fact in here, so I'm really glad you said it. It's yeah, it's not bad, mate.
0: It's not bad. I read that on Twitter, so that could actually be wrong, so let's hope it's not.
1: To be fair, they, like when I was putting this together, I just lost in facts and accolades about him. Mm. Like, you really have to be selective, because um, I could have went on literally forever. Yeah, I can imagine.
0: And obviously, when you're so revered in the game, you must have uh, quite a few facts and statements floating about. Mm, indeed.
1: Um, yeah, so moving on to the national team. So... Muller scored 68 goals in 62 games for West Germany. <laughs> um, he was Germany's all-time leading goal scorer um, for about 40 years until it was sur- surpassed by um, Miroslav Klose in 2014, um, although it rec- uh, Klose required over double the number of caps to do so, um, scoring his 69th goal in his 132nd appearance. A um, bit of a side point here. I've just randomly thought of this. There's a couple of... I don't know their names. There's a couple of players who have just re- retired at US Women's National Team met, um, level. They've got like over 300 appearances. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like, what? It's pretty pointless fact because I haven't got the names and the numbers, but just FYI, go and check that out. Yeah, Thanks for sharing. Uh, no worries. Um, Muller was top scorer at the 1972 European Championships and picked up a winner's medal with West Germany in that competition. He scored 10 times... At the 1970 World Cup, uh, and then a further four at the 1974 World Cup, um, which West Germany actually won when scored the winning goal in a 2-1 victory over Johan Cruyff's Netherlands, um, in the final. Uh, after that tournament, he held the record for the most World Cup goals until 2006, um, when it was broken by I read it was broken, but broken by R nine Ronaldo, which surprised me because I know that he scored. A lot in 2002 and 2006, maybe, but was he at 98? I don't know. We'll have to, someone will have to fact check that. Someone slide into our DMs, please, and check that. We'll get up, get up, get us on Twitter. Um, but yeah, that's just a bit mad. He only played two tournaments, Moller, and he was the, the leading goal scorer in World Cup in World Cups for a long time.
0: He's just so prolific. He kind of we're in a way with it now with Ronaldo and Messi, but. There are people like Muller, I know that Jimmy Greaves is similar as well, where these guys are literally getting a goal a game in a different era. It's just obviously yeah. Yeah, football moves on so quickly and you remember the names, but then when you actually see their numbers and stats, back when stats probably weren't even collated the way they are now, some of these footballers were extremely impressive.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just look at the, the list of um, World Cup high school scorers now. So Miroslav Klose is at number is number one now, as we all know. Um, Ronaldo is number two because, yeah, he did break um, Gerd Muller's record in 2006 Ronaldo yeah Ronaldo played in 98 2000 and 2000, 2002 and 2006 Muller is third do you know who who number four is uh, um, it's very hard he it was in 1950 he had this record off the back of one tournament 1958 <laughs> Pe- Pele no it was Just Fontaine have never, never oh Just
0: Fontaine for France yeah. Uh I wouldn't have if you if you if you didn't tell me the No, nah, I wouldn't have got it. I would have said maybe Papin or someone, but fair. okay. He
1: scored 13 goals in the nineteen fifty-eight World Cup uh in six games. What <laughs> <laughs> Pele scored Pele scored twelve uh in four World Cups, fourteen matches. Miroslav course closer, played twenty-four matches. That is loads. Yeah, he played a lot. Um yeah, so moving on now to Post Bayern and Germany, this is definitely some facts that I did not know. Um, Muller quit playing for West Germany um after the nineteen seventy four World Cup Triumph following an argument with the German Football Association at the post tournament celebration when officials' wives were allowed to attend, but players' wives were not. Mm. I just find that <laughs> why were they lo- why were their wives not allowed? Uh I- <laughs>
0: I can't even I can't even give a reasonable answer I, I, I don't know numbers numbers you know like? <laughs> yeah <laughs> like... no plus ones yeah <laughs> uh, I don't know maybe they didn't have enough money mate like I don't, <laughs> I don't know that's so bizarre
1: Yeah and 5 years later Muller left Bayern for Florida to join Fort Lauderdale um, allegedly after objecting to being substituted in a match against Eintracht Frankfurt I've got no other information about this uh, but he just sounds like he was taking no nonsense from absolutely anyone. Yeah, when you, when you said that, the first person that came to mind was, you know when
0: Balatelli tried that back-heeled goal in pre-season <laughs> yeah. and got yeah. subbed off straight away? The funniest <laughs> thing is, he's obviously he's clean for one-on-one. He tries the back-heel, it misses, it like, goes way wide, it just gets subbed off straight away. And he's not, was just, he's not even fussed.
1: It was nowhere near as well. Like it was just and I don't I don't know how I actually expected to score with that particular move in that particular position. He was like to the right of the goal. And then Jekko was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did whatever he wanted, that guy. Fair play to him. Yeah, he did. Um so Muller later retired from football in 1981, age 36. Uh he opened a steakhouse, in Fort Lauderdale, um, with his wife Ushi. Um, but succumbed to alcoholism. Um, he allegedly received support from from Bayern, who were involved in getting him professional help, which apparently basically saved his... Well, I mean, arguably could have saved his life. Um, then Bayern hired him as a, a youth coach um, after it became dry, where he remained for two decades until he retired in 2000, um And 13, I assume it was like Bayern saying, look, yeah, we'll get you professional help. If you can get over it, then we'll bring you back. Um, and we'll bring you back as a coach. Perhaps he slipped into alcoholism because... You know, some players post... I mean, this could be a classic example, but some players post post sport. Um, you know, like you think, I think of Flintoff with cricket. You know, there's probably loads of examples with football, even Paul Merce and someone like that, where if they stop playing football, they stop being the limelight, and they just struggle with it. Mm. And I just... I don't know that's a fact that happened with him, but for him to have been, like, uh, the, the, one of the biggest stars in the world, and then suddenly he's, like, just a bit small, small time... Because, I mean, that time, I mean... What that was? It would have been the nineties when he. Oh no! Well, oh sorry, with the eighties when he retired. So he would have been yeah, eighties and nineties when he'd been having the, like, holding the stick or whatever. He wouldn't probably. He's not like you know nowadays footballers are multimillionaires when they retire. Yeah, but was Gerhard Müller probably not? Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. And also as well, you, you said you, you were overwhelmed with the amount of facts
0: and figures. So throw in for good I rate how you had to throw it in that he opened up a steakhouse. <laughs> 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 Just in case you're wondering, you're in a steakhouse. But no, I think you're right. Like a lot of footballers um, of that era in particular, and, and and now in modern era, but I think with social media and TV and, and in coaching as well, this seems to be a bit more involved. But there definitely is that, that era of ballers that really struggled with alcoholism when the game, when they left the game, um, which is sad. So it's good to see that he managed to come through that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, potentially as well, it could have been a a, a factor in his, in late like, um, being diagnosed mm-hmm. uh, with, with Alzheimer's, which was in, um, it was 2015, he was diagnosed. And there, were, uh, there was, uh, so I read that even when he was still coaching, he was like very forgetful and stuff. So there was symptoms coming on whilst he was still coaching in the youth, in the youth set up at Bayern. So, That'd be very sad for people to see that, and I mean, he died. What was it, seventy-five? Like, you know, the, in this day and age, no age really to to pass away, and um you know, I wonder if that alcoholism did affect that. um But I mean, one thing I didn't find at all, actually, and I actually explicitly tried to Google this, although I don't speak German, so I was googling this in English and <laughs> couldn't find it. Mm. Was like any, you know, when in England, when we've had p- players get diagnosed with Alzheimer's or, di- or dementia or both, all have then died from it, i.e., Jack Charlton. There's been a lot in the press about, you know, the links between you know Alzheimer's, dementia, CTE, and, um, you know, football, heading, heading the football, all this sort of stuff. Uh, I couldn't find anything like that with, with Muller. Um, you know, it was a good five years, obviously, or six years ago that he was diagnosed. So I don't know if there was talk of it then. It was a little bit before these sort of discussions came about, but I was interested I couldn't find, you know, if I was German and speak German, I could possibly have found it because it, it would have likely been in German press, that sort of talk, but... Um, yeah, I didn't find anything like that, which is, I thought was interesting. Um, and I, I just wonder if, it's, if it is as, as big an issue like, or is in the press in other nations as well as England, because it has been recently, hasn't mm. it?
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those where it just needs the right limelight for the right amount of people to get the, the relative focus and research to find, you know... The link between it for modern day footballers, so it can be a lot better. I think mm. England's is very unique because of '66. I think obviously they're they're a heralded era. You know, there's some of them united, etc. So a lot of yep. focuses on them because of who they are. Germany have obviously been successful way more than England across multiple <laughs> across multiple decades. However, because England has that iconic '66 team, they've also come to similar illnesses. Perhaps it gets it has a bit more traction. Yeah, um, obviously. We have Dennis Law very recently, Man United, who also has Alzheimer's as well. But he's all it's all adding into the fuel and the fire of these players from the 66 team. So Bobby Charlton, Jack Charlton, et cetera. Um, so that is an
1: interesting point. As you check out our podcast on um, yeah. eating and Alzheimer's, actually, it was a really good episode. Yeah, it was. I mean, as I said, I, I might have just miss something. So, you know, don't take do that as a fact. There might have been loads of talk about it at the time, but I couldn't i couldn't find anything. I thought it would be interesting if there were, because um, it was a number of years ago as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Chris Chris Sutton, I saw on Twitter actually saying how he's just had enough of the excuses that you know are potentially being made to like prevent this kind of deeper dive into the relationship between dementia and you know football. So moving on, so I, mean, I did a little section here. In my notes about why is he so revered? Probably he's a waste of time because we've just mentioned his goals, <laughs> which are pretty mad. I mean, what three hundred and sixty-five goals um, for Bayern in the Bundesliga in uh, four hundred. Um, odd appearances uh, for four hundred odd Bundesliga appearances, um, you know, countless goals for Germany in the '60s, over a goal a game. Um, he won the 1970 Ballon d'Or uh, two years um before winning the European Championships. Uh, two-time German Football of the Year. He won the Bundesliga top scorer uh, award seven times, um, and he won the European Golden Shoe winner. Twice, which is a big, big feat. To be fair, so I mean, what more, what more can we see? I mean, his numbers just don't lie, man. Like, I implore anyone to look, try and find some videos on YouTube. You'll see exactly the sort of player he is. You know, you're not going to get free kicks score from 35 yards, but you're going to see how ruthless that guy is finishing. Mm. finish Um, you know, at a time as well when you know the pitches were aren't weren't as good and the ball was a bit harder and all that sort of thing. So you know, it you know, playing those one one, you see them what them kind of first time finishes, mm. and. You know they actually are um, a lot more impressive. Uh, not to say they're not now, and that brings us on to our discussion, as I mentioned right at the start, of do goal poachers get enough credit? So, yeah, I'm not saying Muller is just a goal poacher. We've clearly talked about how he's much more than that as a person and um, as a player. But, as um, we have discussed, he did score a lot of goals in the box, a lot of first-time finishes, um, very good positionally wise, um, at very good at you know, sticking the ball in the back of the net. So the discussion of discussion i'm going with is do goal poachers get enough credit you know I've, I've had this um conversation recently with friends in the pub etc um about not about good muller but around like you know just just generally like if a player scores what's perceived as a tap-in so like oh yeah harry kane scored twice the weekend but it was two tap-ins that, that's a hyper um that would be an example of the sort of conversation to be having and well you know Scoring those goals isn't a given. You know, you need to be in that position at the right time. It takes effort to get in those positions. You know, to make those runs, it takes effort. It doesn't just happen. You've got to make those sprints. You know, you've got to make a lot of failed sprints because, you know, most of the runs you make don't end up in goals. And so you've got to have that anticipation, that drive and commitment. And you've got to have that decision making ability to know exactly where you need to be, either because you've worked a lot with your team or generally your instinct in the game is really good um, because you've got that eye for goal. And I just think. I don't think Porsche perhaps you get enough credit because we discussed like players like Raul and players like Miroslav Klose even someone like Gerd Muller right looking at those numbers look at look at what he's won and I know who Gerd Muller is because he's renowned as a legend in the game okay so he is revered he is referred to as a legend is he referred to as one of the greatest players of all time I'm not certain if you put he would be up there with some of the players that are revered even though his numbers are are just crazy People
0: remember players by specific moments, right? So you've got like the Gareth Bell run, run Mark Bartra, and there could be yeah. countless goals you could mention for Lionel Messi as as well as Cristiano Ronaldo. I think with poachers, what they tend to lack is that iconic moment. So they, they, they may score in big finals in big games. I'm not saying they don't, but when time goes on and you think about a specific final at a specific time, you forget those goals because they're not memorable. And I yeah. think that's where poachers can get lost in it, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> we've had stoppers and destroyers in our time and you know, all these roles have changed and, po- and poachers have changed massively as well. And I guess in the modern era that they're, they're kind of being phased out, but it's mm. just, I, I think the, one of the main reasons as to why they're not revered as much as they should be, is just simply because they're not as memorable. And even someone like Miroslav who who is an elite finisher, I think it's just that the greatest in the game people perceive as doing more, maybe they're yeah. more rounded, you know, like i didn't watch Miroslav close over most of his career. I know that he scored a lot of goals. From the times I have seen, him, I can't really name any memorable goals compared to, let's think of a striker of that era. This ties in with Henri. Maybe he's a little bit ahead of Henri's time, but they were still playing at similar periods of time. Even people like mm. Totti. Yeah, there are loads of different players yeah. I could mention. The strikers, cams, whatever. We think, oh, wow, that was a moment where they did this. But when it's a poacher... You, you often see them as they're lacking abilities to make them more well-rounded, which makes them a better player overall. I think that's unfair. I think it's mostly because it's, they're just not as memorable. That's what they pay yeah. much credit.
1: I do, I do agree. I think the, the Van Basten goal, for example, like that's all I know about Van Basten, really, is that goal. <laughs> I know he played for AC. I know he played for the Netherlands. Um, but because that goal is so iconic, I know of that player. Um and it's it's true for a lot a lot of players. Um whereas your mirror stuff closes you wouldn't have one single goal that would like mark it out and be in a, in a reel that would go through the ages. Um but yeah, it's I think it's as well like with with porches, there's this kind of like people seem to think that well if they weren't in a good team, they couldn't put the numbers they do because if their game is naturally to, to, to find the, the right areas and to and to to Porch goals and to be in the box, they do have to rely quite a bit on their teammates in theory because they can make all the right runs if the ball isn't put there, then they're not going to score. Whereas some people would say, like you said, players like Henri Henry can, could arguably get the ball and did on so many occasions, fashion chances out for him, set them, uh, himself and score goals on his own. You know, that goal against Spurs. Mm. You know, that was him. I mean, that's one example of one of them goals where like the defending was so bad that I have to say it has to be taken down the notch by 10%, but <laughs> it was still... It was still outrageous and like he scored that goal on his own. You know, Mirror stuff closer, even so like good Muller seemingly probably wouldn't be able to to match that feat. You know, Henri's goal against United, we flicks it flicks it over Barthez's, Barthez's head. Um like that's just another example. Um so yeah, I mean there's more to game more to the game than, than finishing, I suppose. So so that would, would lend itself to it. But I would say as a conclusion, you know, I do I don't think we should overlook players like, like Muller, players like, you know, Raul. They are still revered, but I perhaps think they don't get the credit they might deserve.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the perfect time to kind of add the pod for this week. Mm. So thank you to everyone um, who put in their prayers last week for the Arsenal result. It did <laughs> absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I would ask you to do it again this week, but we've got City coming up next. So just save it. Save oh, it save it from when we have that relegation rival battle against Norwich. That could be a key one uh, to help us stay in the league. But um <laughs> Yeah, don't forget to, to comment and subscribe with us. And we'll see you next time. Thank you very much for the information, Dryden, as well. No worries. Let's add that one in. And no worries. Yeah, have a good evening, everyone. Cheers, guys. Cheers.